It is good to be back from New Orleans, back to God's country here in Tennessee. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we are want to welcome those of you who are online with us, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Be sure to like, to heart, to share there. Uh, subscribe, give the get the notifications there uh, so you'll know when we go live. Welcome to our phone live streaming individuals also. If you need that number for phone live streaming, uh, please see me. Uh, we'll be glad to give you that number so you can share that uh, with others. If you have the opportunity on uh, online there to go to the website, uh, go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab there. You can download today's worship bulletin. If you need these in person they're at the doors or in the windows here uh, be sure to get one there's some upcoming activities in there uh, if you need the children's worship bulletins they're in this windowsill uh, to my right so be sure to grab one of those for your kids uh, you can find those under the info tab there online uh, download them uh, send the link to others print them off however you need to do that and then also don't forget the prayer list we have several that we're praying for and you'll hear some of those uh, new prayer requests at the end of our service uh, today but you can download those uh, I think the copies are on the front front pews uh, this morning uh, for our prayer list. So if you want to grab one of those on your way out, please be sure to do that. But it's good to be back. Good to have you here this morning as we welcome our fathers and have a wonderful, happy Father's Day. So Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us in. Welcome all. Thank you for our fathers. I know a lot of you have family in. I know Brother Charles, was, if you'd have had another, you'd have to add another pew if some of the rest of your family had been here. Uh, Join by standing and let's sing the chorus, Spirit of the Living God. We'll sing it a couple of times. Join the choir, ladies. <clears throat>
you have your bulletins this morning uh, and can read there the missionary moment for today. Uh, online, you can get it there in your bulletin. Uh, but it's for Vesta Souter, uh, who is a missionary to the deaf peoples. Uh, one of the staggering statistics is that in 2020, deaf people numbered nearly 70 million people around the world. And of those, uh, 1,444 deaf people die every day without Jesus Christ. They don't have the Bible in their uh, heart sign language. Uh, we are partnering with the IMB, uh, the International Mission Board, with uh, Deaf Pathway Global, uh, and they have been able to translate Bible stories into 13 languages uh, with more languages to come in those sign languages. So be in prayer for the ministries there. Pray that the deaf around the world will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. One of our prayer times at the convention for our missionaries uh, involved quite a few different people and ethnicities uh, who prayed, uh, but we also had a deaf person uh, who prayed during that time, and that's a unique experience to have someone who is deaf uh, to pray. And so I uh, just want to encourage you to be praying for the ministry that Vesta is involved in there with the deaf peoples and all of those who are lost around the world uh, without Christ uh, who are deaf. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the blessings of this day and thank you for the privilege to come into your house, to worship you, to join online, to hear your word and your truth. And Father, I pray that you'll bless the songs that we're singing this morning, bless the message that will be preached. I pray, God, that you will stir our hearts to a closer walk with you. And for those who don't know Christ as their Lord and their Savior, may this day be the day of salvation for them. Lord, we especially this morning want to lift up Vesta Souter, uh, who is serving the deaf peoples through our international mission board. We pray, Heavenly Father, for those millions and millions of people around the world uh, who cannot hear, uh, who have no Bible translated into their, uh, into their heart, de heart sign language. Father, I pray that you will uh, be with the ministries that we're supporting uh, through the International Mission Board uh, to bless them and help them, Lord, to be able to get more translations out of the Bible stories. Uh, Father, I pray that you will uh, let your word go forth. May people hear the truth of your word and I pray that you will use us in whatever way that we can to be a blessing to the ministries of our missionaries around the world. So protect Vesta, uh, keep her in her, your hands, uh, provide for her in all the needs that she has in ministering to the deaf peoples. And we just pray that you'll use her and many others to stir the hearts of those who are without Christ. Lord, bless us this morning as we come to worship you. We give you our hearts, we give you everything we have, and we submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen and amen. I just want to encourage you, especially if you're at home online there, I uh, just want to remind you about our, your offerings. You can do that on our church website. Uh, go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab, easy platform there to set up. You should have in the pews in front of you some offering envelopes uh, that you can do here in person, and you can just place those in the offering plates here at the front or at the doors as you leave. So I encourage you to take the time to do that. We want to recognize this morning our fathers. If you are a father, would you please stand? Let's give all of our fathers a hand. I'm going to ask you to remain standing for just a moment, fathers. We want to say a special prayer for you too. So let's go to the Lord in prayer for you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for those who are godly fathers. Thank you for these fathers who are present here this morning. Lord, we know from the statistics that there are many fathers who are not in any church on any given Sunday. 
And Father, the families suffer because of that. We want to thank you for those, Lord, who have taken up the call, who have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, who are living faithfully for you. And we just thank you for those who are present. For those who can't be here, Lord, for other reasons, we just ask your blessings upon them to bless each one of these fathers for what they mean in our hearts and our lives and how they have impacted our lives. And Lord, we just pray that you will bless them to leave a lasting legacy upon their families for the sake of Jesus Christ. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Uh, just want to remind you, fathers, too, we do have a special gift for you. They are at the doors as you leave this morning uh, in both ways that you leave here or at the front there. Uh, be sure to get your gift uh, this morning. We'll remind you of that at the end of the service in case you forget that. But it's just a gift we want to give to you to say we appreciate you. We thank you for all you do for our families. Brother Mike. For our next hymn, join us as we sing 247 in the hymn book or with the words that are on the screen. Come thou almighty king. All four of them. reminder about Children's Church meeting over on the piano side during this song. Uh, join us now as we sing 238, if I can find it. Thank you, sticky notes. Wow. Breathe on me. Let's stand and sing Breathe on me. 238.
Well, take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to John chapter 14, verse 16 down through verse 18. Uh, we are still walking through the life of Jesus, uh, and he is giving a message uh, in the upper room here after they have had the Lord's Supper uh, to his disciples to prepare them for his departure and for all that's about to come. Uh, he's going to share with us a lot uh, in these chapters that we're looking at, 14, 15, 16, and then again in 17 too, but mostly 14, 15, 16, about the Holy Spirit. And so I wanted to uh, share that message with you this morning uh, in light of it being Father's Day, the helper in the home, uh, that you as a father need Jesus Christ in your heart and your life, and you need the Holy Spirit indwelling you to be the father that God would have you to be. So we want to stand and read God's Word in honor of His Word. John 14, we're going to actually read verse 15 and then verse 16. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that we honor our fathers as we honor our mothers on Mother's Day. Father, I pray that those who are here as fathers this morning and uh, those who may be prospective fathers down the road or, or, Lord, maybe there are those who are watching online, I pray, God, that we will hear this message and this truth and learn the key to the Christian life is Jesus Christ. And, Lord, to understand that not only is it the key, is Jesus the key, we need to also understand about the Holy Spirit because He is the one who guides us, who leads us, who empowers us to do all that you would have us to do to be the kind of parent, the kind of father that we need to be. And so, Father, I pray for those who are fathers here this morning. May the Holy Spirit uh, make himself known in their lives. May they live in the character of the Holy Spirit. And, Father, I pray that you will use their lives to be a witness to those around them, to their children and to their families. And, Father, I pray that they will uh, be blessed by uh, the, the families will be blessed by their fathers living a godly life. So bless your word this morning. May it apply to our hearts, whether we're here as a father or whatever other stage we may be at. Father, I pray that you will be glorified and honored through this message this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you can be seated. Now, I want to start by saying that this is not going to be an extensive treatise, if you will, a, a, a message that's going to cover everything about the Holy Spirit, nor are we going to cover everything about the Holy Spirit as we go through the next months here, going through 14, 15, and 16. Uh, but I want you to see some beginning things, at least some foundational things, that Jesus lays out for his disciples because he's getting ready, if you'll remember, uh, to ascend to the Father. Uh, understand this, that the key to the Christian life is Jesus. And so when you understand who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us, it ought to make you want to live for, for him and serve him more than ever before. And, and so not only do we need to know who Jesus is, but we also need to know who the Holy Spirit 
is. Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit here in these verses. In these verses we find some of these words that Jesus said to his disciples the night before the cross. They've had the Lord's Supper. Uh, they're there in the upper room. Jesus is teaching his disciples. And we find in these chapters here, he teaches them, as we said, about the Holy Spirit. Then in 17, chapter 17, he's going to give us that great high priestly prayer. But he's been teaching them all along who the Heavenly Father is. In fact, if you go back some verses in chapter 14 that we've already looked at, in John chapter 14 and verse 8 of this chapter, Philip said to the Lord, he said, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough. And then you remember reading Jesus' response to him in verse 9 where Jesus said, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus says, all along, this, this whole time that I've been with you, I've been showing you the Heavenly Father. Uh, so now he's beginning to teach them, though, uh, about the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is. Jesus has walked with them for about three, three and a half years at this point. Uh, they've been in constant company. He's taught them. Uh, they've seen his miracles. They've followed him all over the country there. Uh, now he's getting ready to die on the cross. He's going to be buried, raised again from the dead, and then he's going to ascend back to the right hand of the Father. And one of the things they were going to need is they were going to need uh, to understand the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Not only did they need to understand the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, uh, or what He does, uh, also, but we as believers also need to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what He does. You know, there are many Christians and uh, that are even in the church today, uh, like the Church of Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, who don't know who, what, what the Holy Spirit does. You may remember that Paul came to Ephesus. Uh, and, and found some disciples, uh, and he saw that something was missing in their lives. If you go to Acts chapter 19 and verse 2, uh, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. They didn't even know what he was talking about. You know, there are still a lot of people today who don't understand the Holy Spirit. And yet, that is one of the crucial things we need to understand. You know, we used to sing a song uh, many years ago. We still sing it every once in a while. Uh, it's called, Brethren, We Have Met to Worship. Uh, there's a line in that song that says this, All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. So understand that. Everything is vain unless the Holy Spirit is working in your heart and in your life and in and through you to make a difference in this world for the sake of Christ. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6 says, he said, to, he said to me, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so we have to have the Holy Spirit in our church, if we're going to do what God wants us to do and to be empowered to do all the things He would have us to do. But we also have to have the Holy Spirit in our own personal lives as Christians. You cannot live the Christian life successfully apart from the Holy Spirit. You know, there are many Christians who fail to understand that. And some people think today that once you get saved... That, that that's all the work of the Holy Spirit, that's all the work of, that God does in your life, and now somehow it's up to you to live the Christian life. The problem is we can't live the Christian life in and of ourselves. We have to have help. 
It's not in us to live the way we ought to live. Uh, so we have to have uh, a guide. We have to have uh, someone who gives us direction. We have to have someone who, who leads us in the path and, and presents to us when we're going in a wrong direction, brings conviction uh, into our hearts. And, and so we have to have the Holy Spirit. Even in our homes, we need to have the Holy Spirit. And there's no question about that. But as the, as the Spirit lives in the house of your heart... The question is, is the Spirit at home in your house? Is He free to move and to, to work as He chooses? Especially as I direct this to you as fathers this morning. Is the Spirit at home in your house? Can the Spirit be Himself in your life? Uh, or, or are you uh, suppressing and quenching the Holy Spirit's work in your own heart and in your life? See, understand this, fathers are vitally important in the home, but not just any fathers. Years ago, Touchstone reported on research linking a father's church attendance to his children's continuance in the faith. In homes where both parents attended church regularly, 33% of the children ended up as regular churchgoers, and 41% ended up attending irregularly. The rest didn't attend at all. That means both, both parents, when both parents attend church regularly, nearly three-quarters of their children will continue on some level uh, of church attendance. The article went on to say this, though. It said, perhaps unsurprisingly, there is a cataclysmic shift when the father doesn't go to church while the mother attends regularly. It said, in this situation, only 2% of their children will attend regularly, with 37% attending irregularly. And that leaves over 60% of their children devoid of any church life. Fathers, you are important in the home. But not just any fathers. Fathers who have the Holy Spirit in their lives, living in their hearts, living in their lives, guiding them. The study went on to say this, if the father attends regularly and the mother doesn't, 44% of the children will be regularly church attenders. That's even higher than the children who have both parents who attend regularly. So fathers, you are important. It's sad, though, that in a Pew study research in 2016, they found that 53% of U.S. Christian women attend church regularly, while only 46% of men do the same. Now, all too often we, we praise our mothers on Mother's Day, and we focus many times on, on the negatives about fathers on Father's Day. But there are many good things that we've come to learn through studies uh, about fathers as, as time has gone on. More dads are staying at home to care for their kids. Uh, dads are seeing uh, parenting as central uh, to their identity. Uh, Work-family balance is always going to be a challenge there for many fathers. Uh, most Americans think men face a lot of pressure to provide financially for their families. It becomes less common for dads to be the, the family's sole breadwinner, but dads are much more involved uh, in their children's lives than they were 50 years ago. Uh, when it comes to caregiving, moms and dads are, are still viewed differently, and yet while they're spending more time with their children, many dads feel like they're not doing enough. 
Fathers are vitally important in the home, as we said, but not just any fathers. What we need more of and are most thankful for are our fathers who realize they need help. You need help as a father. And the greatest source of help that you have as a believer is the Holy Spirit. The biggest reason we know uh, the, the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit makes real in us what Jesus has done for us. The Holy Spirit takes the work of Jesus Christ and what He did and makes it effective in our lives. So notice several truths this morning. I don't want this to be just a message directed only to fathers. Uh, so whether you're a father or a mother, whether you're a son or you're a daughter, whether you're a young person or a senior adult, or anywhere in between, these are some truths that will help you to know that there is a helper in the home and help you to become all God wants you to be. The first thing I want you to see that Jesus tells his disciples here, he gives them the promise of the Holy Spirit. You know when Jesus makes a promise, you can count on it? We make promises sometimes and, and we don't keep our word. But Jesus never fails. Jesus made a promise to his disciples in verse 16. He said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So he says he'll give you another comforter. Look at that word comforter. It's a Greek word from which we get the word paraclete. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. It makes up, it's made up of two Greek words. It's the word kletos and the word para, uh, which means come alongside. Kletos means called. And so, for, for instance, we talk about paramedics. Paramedics are those uh, who come alongside the medical profession. A paraclete is translated comforter, uh, means one called alongside to help. Uh, John MacArthur wrote this about the word para and its meaning. He said, called alongside for what? For anything and everything that you would need. Could be an intercessor, could be an advocate, could be a comforter, could be that you need an encourager, could be a teacher, could be somebody to warn you. Somebody called alongside. Somebody with more wisdom. Somebody with more truth. Somebody with more experience. Somebody with more knowledge than you have. The Holy Spirit is your helper. He is your comforter. He's the helper and he's the advocate. He's the one who's called alongside to help. Now, I don't know about you, but I know if I'm going to be the father that God wants me to be, I need a helper. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, My little children... I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anybody does sin, which we all do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, the word translated as advocate there in 1 John 2, verse 1, is the same word translated as comforter in John chapter 14 and verse 16. The comforter is an advocate, one called alongside to help. The Bible teaches that Jesus is our advocate in heaven, but it also teaches that the Holy Spirit is the Heavenly Father's advocate in your heart. Jesus takes care of our interests before the Father. The Holy Spirit takes care of the Father's interests in us. And so you have an advocate in heaven, and you have an advocate in your heart. Jesus said, I am going to send you the Comforter. He's making a promise 
uh, about the coming of the Holy Spirit. So keep in mind at this point, as he's talking to these disciples, that the Holy Spirit hasn't yet come. It hadn't yet, he hadn't yet been given. Now, we need to understand that because all throughout the Old Testament, there were promises that God would send the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 44, verse 3, uh, we have the promise there where he says, For I will pour out water upon, uh, on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my Spirit out upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. You read in the book of Joel, in Joel chapter 2 and verse 28 and verse 29, there's another promise of the Holy Spirit coming. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my Spirit. So the Old Testament had a promise. The Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. He's going to be given. Then along comes John the Baptist. Remember, John the Baptist came, and at the River Jordan, he preached. And, and John the Baptist said that there is one who is coming after me who is mightier than I. He will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come. And then you go over to the New Testament church in the beginning of the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's getting ready to go back to heaven. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through verse 5, it says that Jesus was assembled with those disciples. And then in the middle of the verse, he says, uh, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So there was the promise of the Father. Now, there are hundreds of promises in the Bible. I'd encourage you to look them up, to stand on them. I love promises. When you read the Bible uh, and, and you look for the promises of God, of God, underline them, claim them, because sooner or later you're going to need those promises. Jesus says there is a promise that is a specific promise, the promise of the Father. He said, I'm going to give you the promise of the Father not many days from now. What's he talking about? He's talking about the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 4, the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit of God came on that day. God kept his promise. Remember what happened there. Peter's preaching uh, the gospel to the people. The cloven tongues of fire come uh, upon him. The Holy Spirit descends upon them. People begin hearing uh, what Peter and the disciples are preaching uh, in their own tongues. Uh, and then you come uh, to verse 16. The people begin to ask, what is this? And Simon Peter gets up and begins to explain what had taken place. In Acts 2, verse 16, he says, But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And then in verse 17, he quotes what we just read a moment ago in Joel 2, 28. And then in verse 33, here's how he wraps it up by saying this. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. God kept his promise and he sent the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is in his church today. And the Holy Spirit is in our hearts and in our lives as believers. 
So understand that you have every resource, every power, every direction you will ever need for any situation you will ever face with God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit living in your life. Here's the second thing Jesus wanted to be sure to tell his disciples before he died on the cross and ascended to the Father. He wanted them to see the person of the Holy Spirit. Notice verse 17. Verse 17 says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it, it neither, neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is a person, a real person. Uh, the Holy Spirit really exists. Jesus was a person. The Holy Spirit's a person. Unfortunately, in some versions, uh, the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit by the pronoun it, which misleads uh, some people to think and get the idea that the Holy Spirit is an it. Uh, but the Bible doesn't teach that the Holy Spirit is an it, like, the, uh, like some kind of presence or, 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 or some kind of feel-good, uh, mushy feeling out there. The Holy Spirit is just some kind of power, is just some kind of ghostly figure. The Bible specifically refers to the Holy Spirit as a person. Because notice in verse 17, you can see the use of the personal pronouns there in the reference to the Holy Spirit. Even the Spirit of truth, who's that? That's the Holy Spirit whom the world cannot receive because it neither receives him or neither sees him, the Holy Spirit, nor knows him, the Holy Spirit. You know him, Holy Spirit, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He's referred to as a him. You, you say, what's the big deal about that? What's the difference does it make whether the Holy Spirit's an it or a him? It makes all the difference in the world. Because if the Holy Spirit is an it, then the question becomes, how do I get it? And how do I use it? But if the Holy Spirit is a him, a person, then the question becomes, how can the Holy Spirit get me, and how can the Holy Spirit use me? As Jesus tells his disciples uh, he's going away, they have to be wondering, how in the world am I going to know what to do? You're not going to be here with us, Jesus. They've been there with him three and, three and a half years. Every, way of, every step of the way, he's been guiding them. He's been leading them. He's been telling them what to do, what not to do. And now he's saying, I'm going to die. I'm going to ascend to the Father. Lord, how are we going to know what to do? Understand this. In our chaotic world even today, many people, many believers are still asking the same question. How will I know? Students who've just graduated are, are still wondering, uh, how do I know where to go to school? How do I know what career I'm to pursue? Uh, what is God's call on my life? What do I do about this family situation or that family situation? Do I take a new job offer or do I keep the one that I have? Do I invest or not? Do I rent or buy or build? How do, who do I marry? Should I even marry at all? How, how do I handle this difficult relationship? Understand that if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit who provides spiritual counsel to your life and direction. Jesus said, I'm going to give you another comforter. In other words, what Jesus is saying, he's going to be like me. In John 14, let's look at that word comforter. Again, notice that he says, I will give you another comforter. Now, in the Greek, there are two different words that are translated another. Uh, one of those words means another of a different kind. 
is the word heteros. It's where we get the word heterosexual from. If a person is heterosexual, that means they have relationships or attractions toward members of the other or opposite sex. Hetero, uh, and so another uh, of a different kind. There's another word, alos, that is translated another. And that's the word that's translated here. It means another of the same kind. So let me give you an illustration of that. Suppose you uh, came this morning here and you were talking to some friends and you said, you know what happened this week? I, I traded cars. And they say, you did? What did you trade for? Well, I had a Chevrolet and I traded for a Nissan. I don't know if that's a good trade or not, but take it as you will. You traded cars, you traded a Chevrolet for a Nissan. You traded cars and you traded for a car of another kind. But you might have said, I traded cars today, and, and what did you trade for? I, I traded a Toyota Corolla for a Toyota Camry. You traded, but you traded for the same kind. And I don't know about Toyota either. I know Toyota seemed to be good, but you take that as you will too. Jesus says here, I'm going to give you another comforter, not something totally different than who I am. I'm going to give you another comforter of the same kind. I'm going to give you a comforter just like me. You don't have to worry uh, about what to do and what he's going to say. He's going to point you to me. He's going to instruct you about the Father and his will. So when Jesus was on this earth, he walked with his disciples there for those three, three and a half years. Think about what it meant to have Jesus right there with them. I mean, think about that. What if you had Jesus in the living flesh right here with you 24-7, 365 days of the year? You had a problem? You could say, hey, Jesus, what do I need to do here? And he'd tell you the right thing you need to do and you could make the right decision and life would be great. Think about that. Life would be a lot better if Jesus was with you today when you kind of blew it when you got, heat, got heated in, in traffic. If Jesus is sitting over there in the passenger side, do you think that would have an impact on you when you're driving through town and the traffic is crazy like it's been this week from Bonnaroo? Understand this. The person of the Holy Spirit means that you have someone just like Jesus who's not sitting over there in the passenger seat of the car, He's right there in your heart and in your life. And if you've been born again, if you are saved, if you're a child of God, everywhere you go, the Holy Spirit of God goes with you. He's with you all the time. Jesus used that to encourage his disciples and us too about the Holy Spirit. But here's the final thing, the third thing Jesus says in these verses about the Holy Spirit is he shares about the presence of the Holy Spirit. You had the promise of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and now the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to go back kind of to something we talked about a while ago about how the Holy Spirit was in the Old Testament. I want to show you the difference between the Old Testament time and the New Testament and our time. In verse 17, in the last half there of verse 17, it says that you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Then verse 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. 
So he's very specific. He's talking to the disciples. He's saying that he, the Holy Spirit, dwells with you, but he's saying that there is a time that's going to come when he will be in you. If you went on down to verse 20, it says, in that day you will know. So understand, here's the difference. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was with them. When we talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit wasn't in the earth. The Holy Spirit was there at creation. The Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. The Holy Spirit of God was at work in creation. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit of God was at work in the inspiration of the Holy Scriptures because he said holy men spoke and were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's even in the Old Testament. God inspired these Old Testament writers to write these scriptures. In the Old Testament, you'll find that people did special things and they carried out special activities and they did it in the power of the Holy Spirit who was with them. Understand that, with them. Think about the temple and the building of the temple and all of those things. The Holy Spirit was with them. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit could be withdrawn. If you remember the prayer that David gives in Psalm 51 when David was confessing to the Lord his sin that he committed in Psalm 51 verse 11, he said this, he said, Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. The Spirit of God could be withdrawn. You see that in a perfect example with Samson. Uh, Samson had this superhuman strength, if you remember. Delilah got to messing with him, and, and before long she gave him that haircut. And the Bible says that Samson went out and shook himself, uh, getting ready to fight. And it says he didn't know that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. God's Holy Spirit could be withdrawn. Then we see in Jesus, we see that if Jesus had not gone away and ascended to the Father, his ability to provide counsel would have been limited. Remember that in the flesh, he was not omnipresent. But because of the Holy Spirit living inside every believer, we can have access to the mind of God 24-7, no waiting lines, uh, no waiting at all, no voicemail. When the Holy Spirit, the helper in the home, is there, he is there to lead you, to guide you, to direct you, to counsel you, to comfort you, and he's doing it with the perfect mind of God all day long, all week long, all year long all your life long that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if the Spirit of the living God ever gets at home in your house, he'll do exactly what Jesus would do. He, he stands there and perfects our conduct, corrects us when we step out of line. He provides counsel and direction for us in making decisions in life. He brings conviction to our hearts when we sin, as we see in verse 17. When the helper is in the home, he speaks distinctly from the word, and he speaks differently from the world. He's never going to tell you anything that is contrary to the word of God. He's always going to give you direction. So if you're thinking about, well, is this just my thinking, or is this the Holy Spirit speaking? Does it line up with what God's word has to say? If it doesn't line up with what God's Word has to say, that's not the Holy Spirit. He's always going to speak to us the truth. 
Now, there's a difference since the day of Pentecost because the Holy Spirit has come not only to dwell in His church, but the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in the heart of believers. He dwells in you. Jesus said in the last part of verse 16, He dwells in you to be with you forever. He'll never leave you. He's right there in your heart and in your life every day. That is not only good news, that is great news. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through verse 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Let me ask you, are you doing that today? Are you glorifying God in your body? Because think about it. If you profess to be a believer, then the Holy Spirit ought to be indwelling your heart and in your life. So what does the heart, the, the house of your life look like? Is it dirty? Does it need some spring cleaning? Does it mean you need to maybe get rid of some things in your life? If you're saved, the Holy Spirit is in you. And all the power you need to live the Christian life is available to you. There's the power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that dwells in your heart and in your life as a born-again child of God. And here's the good news for you. There is the promise of the Holy Spirit that you can stand upon from the Word of God. There is the person of the Holy Spirit, not some it, some imaginary thing out there. He is a real person that dwells within you. And there is the presence of the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you each and every day. And you can live, even as a father, the victorious Christian life because of the helper in the home, because of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you in closing this morning, do you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart? You say, how do I do that? The only way that happens is when you first trust in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. If you've done that already this morning, have that confidence and know that you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. That ought to change everything about us. The way we talk, the way we walk, the places we go, the things we do, the way we act, the way we live. Fathers, make sure you get this part right first. Know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that the Holy Spirit would dwell in you. And then let the Holy Spirit be at home in your life. Let him have free reign in your life, that when he convicts you of sin, you repent of it. You're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, whether you're a father, a mother, a, a daughter, a son, no matter who you are. If you don't know Jesus, let me encourage you to do that this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the helper in the home. Thank you for sending Jesus, who died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, and arose on the third day to give us eternal life, to give us the Holy Spirit and all that the Holy Spirit involves and has, the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. 
And Father, I pray especially this morning for those who do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior, who, who don't have the Spirit living within them, and they're wondering about life. What do I do? How do I handle things? Lord, here's the first step and the answer for their lives. To trust Jesus, who came and lived that perfect sinless life, died on the cross for them, was buried in the tomb. Father, I pray that they will call out to you this morning and acknowledge that they are a sinner, that they need Jesus as their Savior. Father, may they believe the truth of the Word of God this morning, that Jesus did all He said He did, and He did it fully and completely, and that they would stand on the promise of Your Word, that if they believe in their heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and they profess that with their lips, Father, and they believe it in their hearts, May they stand on the promise of your word that says they will be saved. Father, I pray that you will fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit and help them to walk with you and live with you all the days of their life. Lord, if they pray those words or something like what we've mentioned there in their own hearts and their own words and asking Christ to come into their life, Lord, I pray they'll come this morning to publicly profess that faith, to follow through with believers' baptism. Father, there are many of us who are here as believers. We believe what Jesus came to do. But we have forgotten, Lord, that when we trusted in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit came in. And yet we've been living our lives many times just like the world. We look like the world. We act like the world. We talk like the world. And, and you can't even hardly tell any difference from us and the world. And what a, what a detriment that is to our testimony of our faith in Christ and the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit should be living in our hearts. So, Lord, let us come to the place of compassion and repentance to say, God, I want, I need the helper in the home of my life to help me to be all I need to be, whether that's as a student, whether that's as a mother, or whether that's as a father. Whatever, Lord, you're doing, wanting to do in our lives, may you have full reign in our hearts. Lord, bless this invitation this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us in our hymn of invitation. If you're here this morning and you need to make that decision, maybe you need to come for church membership or, or just to come and simply pray. As we stand, as we sing, would you make your way and come? Number 300, without him.
be seated for just a moment. You can come on up, Callie. Well, we're so excited this morning. Uh, Callie came to me with her dad uh, during vacation Bible school. She had already prayed sometime back to ask Jesus into her heart, and she wants to come and to publicly profess that and to follow through with believers' baptism. We're so excited for her decision this morning. If you're excited for her decision this morning, would you say amen? Amen. We're excited for you too and just know uh, the people you can come by and, and encourage her, shake her hand, let her know how glad you are for her decision and, and we'll be doing her baptism next Sunday. So come in and enjoy that experience with us too. You can have a seat back over there, Kyle. I'll give this back to you to finish on that. But Steve, if you'll come and share our announcements with us. Good morning. I'd like to bring just two things to your attention from our missions team. Uh, today, being Father's Day, is the final Sunday that we will be collecting our baby bottles for Life Choices Pregnancy Center. If you have not yet returned your bottle, if you could try and make your way with that sometime this week uh, by the church, I'll be taking those bottles at the end of this week. So we'd like to have all of them together if we possibly could. So please keep that in mind. Secondly, as you enter today for worship, uh, you may have received a pink slip of uh, paper that is from our missions team. Uh, we are seeking input from our congregation as we try to look at the concerns that people have for our endeavor in uniting for Ukraine. If you did not get one this morning as you enter, they are at our exits today. We ask that you prayerfully think about these concerns. There is a scale there. Also, an area that if you have other concerns that we'd like to hear from you as well. We'd appreciate if you could have those back by Sunday, July the 2nd, so that our team can uh, move forward with that. Thank you so much. Well, most of our announcements are in the bulletin, but there are a couple things I want to mention. We want to remember the family of Brenda Griffin and the loss of our brother, Marty Curry. We want to remember the Hess family with uh, David having treatments and surgeries in the near future. We want to remember Janet Carter, who is at NHC. We want to remember um, the other things are basically housekeeping, no service tonight. Uh, Building the Grounds Committee will meet Wednesday night at 5 o'clock, and our Father's Day gifts are on the way out as we exit. So after our closing prayer, which I'll offer in a moment, uh, we'd love for you guys to come up and let us offer you the hand of fellowship. And we're so excited for Kylie and her family. Join me in a word of prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and privilege of being here at this time, Lord. We thank you that we can hear your word preached in a strong and effective way, Lord, and we thank we're thankful most of all that your spirit does move and it does bring us to the foot of the cross to accept your son, Lord, as our Savior. Lord, we pray that you would uh, be with us now, that everything we say and do would glorify your name. We pray that you would keep us safe and bring us into your house again. We pray your forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.